Welcome, friends, to our new podcast, If I Only Knew, where Fred and I will be taking a deep dive into the social, cultural, and political issues that are of interest to people from across generations. My co-host brings a wealth of experience that comes from his advancing age, while I'm a young student keen to share what young people think about the world we're growing into. In this podcast, we're putting our heads together to bridge this generation gap. I'm looking forward to us understanding that collectively there's more we don't know than we actually do. I'd like to think it, uh, I've just had my 47th birthday, Matt, that I've travelled the planet long enough to know a few mistakes, that a few potholes that I might be able to help the younger generation avoid. But I'd also like to learn. I, I'm a sponge for this stuff and I'm very hip and down with the children, as you well know, Matt. So it's just keeping me relevant and ahead of the pack. Yeah. Well, and this week I think is one of those perhaps more contentious issues between generations. We're going to be talking about men and masculinity and the ways in which that's been changing in, in the modern contemporary culture. I suspect that you're growing up 40 years ago might have had a very different experience as a man to, to what I'm going through right now. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting. So, Fred, I really have to ask you, in our planning for this, we were talking about a possible crisis in modern masculinity. Do you think mm. there's a crisis? You know, I had to think about this and I had to think about my archetypes and role models for masculinity. And, you know, like a lot of people, that was my dad, who was born in 1933. <laughs> and learnt his archetypes and his stuff about masculinity from a grandfather that, wait for it, Matt, was born in 1901. So we're talking about 119 years ago, and we can go back and back and back. Somebody influenced the man that influenced me about masculinity. Mm. So, you know, if you were saying to me as a kid, what's a masculine man? I'd give you the icons and the images that I'd seen growing up. John Wayne jumping off a dusty horse. I'm not sure if you know who John Wayne is. I'll, I'll add a link into the bio. John Wayne jumps off a horse, one of my favourite movies with Dean Martin as his deputy, and he's dusty and he's coming off the plains, which is interesting because it's not an Australian image. And he walks into a bar and he asks for a drink and they give him a shot of whiskey and he throws it down. <laughs> Five minutes later, he's punching on and crashing tables because he's the guy with the shiny badge. He's the biggest meanest guy in the room and he's a real superhero in his own right and all of that stuff was made up exactly yeah you know this is the image it's the darwinistic stuff about the biggest alpha male is the one that propagates the species and you know that women want the big hairy tough guy the good provider so if you ask me about masculinity up until probably uh my 30s I'd be saying it's the biggest, meanest son of a gun in the room that's the most masculine. I have to say, though, that's been challenged a lot in the last kind of two decades. Yeah. But I've got, I've got to ask, you know, like that's that's what I have. It's the Steve McQueen jumping the barbed wire fence. It's Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind. And I know these are all pop culture references <laughs> that I'm on there. But it's it's also, you know, Patrick Swayze in Point Break. It's Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. It's, of course, my favourite movie, Andrew Dice Clay and the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, the rock and roll detective with the most famous line in a movie ever. Ford, we just needed to be held. No, baby, you got the bonus package. Now do my dishes. <laughs> I mean, this is the stuff. Stuff that formulated <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. my understanding yeah. of masculinity. 
But I gotta know, mate. What's it mean for you? Yeah, I love that. Not a single one of those cultural references I got. I didn't get one of them. Uh, when you said John Wayne, I'm like Bruce Wayne, Batman. What? What? No, that's not. <laughs> that's not what you're talking about. But uh, so you, you don't know who John Wayne is. I genuinely don't. I, I thought Bruce Wayne. I okay. So I might be 147. <laughs> Look, I might just not be all that educated on the classics. But um, I definitely think you're you're onto something there, Fred. Where things have changed, right? And I re- personally, I reckon they've changed for the better. I'm not sure that I love the idea of all the all the blokes around me just wanting to get into a fist fight to prove who who's the the dominant one. But I think that like the question for me is like where have they changed to? I think we're like uh, I don't know my my growing up at the moment. A lot of us uh, are pretty uh, a lot of my generation are pretty clear that we don't want to be this like um you know violent fighting first, you know um shoot first, ask questions later sort of man. I think we're we're relatively confident that's not where we want to go. But I think the question for me is like, but what else? Where where else do we go instead of that? Um, Because I'm not convinced that I could necessarily point to a ton of male role models that have influenced me myself um, that that don't have something like that. I don't take offence at that, mate. I understand we haven't (laughs) known each other all that long. Before we started talking, though, you gave me some terms that are really in the zeitgeist at the moment around modern masculinity, and I thought they were really good terms that probably are worth defining a bit for the listeners. Do you want to take me through those again? 100%. This is really relevant to what I'm saying. Here. So you were talking about this sort of strong man, this alpha man or whatever, and that really connects in my mind to a term like patriarchy. And so patriarchy is thrown around a lot, and it surprises me how contentious it can be, I think. But the way that I understand patriarchy is that it describes just like a social system of power that seems to generally place a certain type of man in positions of general social authority over generally women. Yep. Interestingly, and I think critically, patriarchy is connected to a concept called hegemonic masculinity, which describes a certain type of masculinity, the dominant masculinity. And I think yep. that's the masculinity that you were just talking about there, Fred. This it's a very Western construct, isn't it? Exactly. And I am, of course, talking about the West, uh, because that's that's just where my head's at and where I grew up. So I think that that idea of the, the hegemonic patriarchal man, this alpha man, is what we're broadly maybe trying to move away from in my generation. But re- the important thing to recognise with patriarchy is that it only supports the hegemonic masculinity. So yeah. patriarchy only supports the strong man. It only supports the violent man. And so I would probably argue that a lot of other men, a lot of other masculinities actually suffer under patriarchy. And this is something that I had to learn through studying at uni. I'm studying some of this stuff. But I never thought, you know, you hear patriarchy like, oh, man is more privileged than women. And it's like, well, no, a little bit. But some masculinities are more privileged than other masculinities as well. And so yep. it's if you're, and, and I'm sure that you probably like quite familiar with this concept. You know, the caring child, the caring, the caring boy in, um, in school, they're, they're bullied because they're, they're concerned about other people. The, yep. um, the boy who, you know, doesn't want to throw himself into a fight because he thinks that that's like, oh, you know, that's not what I want to be doing today. They're censored more than the violent man. And I think that. This is something that I think is really interesting because we're pushing, in my generation, I think we're pushing away from this violent, um, hegemonic masculinity, but it still seems to have social power. And so I still think there's, there's this, um, representation of men as, as strong and breadwinning and alpha. Uh, and I think we're only just starting to get role models and other people 
in in the in cultural power that are providing an alternative for men. A great example in my generation that's being talked about a lot at the moment is Harry Styles as a as a music producer, one of the most famous young musicians of of our world at the moment. And I thought he, Harry Styles was a hairdresser. Don't you have like? <laughs> It's not, Styles. Guy, right? He's not Harry Styles. He's not Harry Styles. Styles. It's oh. Harry Styles. Oh, see, I've learnt already today, Matt. Okay, what does Harry? Sorry, Harry Styles sing. Harry Styles. So Harry Styles is a, is a very famous pop artist, and if you if you've not heard much about him, he he was one of the the lead singers of um, One Direction, that boy band. Are they still, uh, is that band still together? No, not at the moment. Much to the well, it doesn't sound like One Direction was a particular. No, no, name. they went in four directions in the end. For oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it, you know what? There's a parallel for modern masculinity. Four directions, not one. <laughs> well, and Harry Styles has gone on to be one of the most successful musicians of our age, I would say. And and he he made a a real name for himself, a real ripple, sort of the last six months, last twelve months, by um, embracing this much more feminine style of dress and um, aesthetics for himself. Yep. You know, yep. he he made like some music videos and some photo shoots just wearing dresses and this caused this caused you know huge conversational points uh, among people that follow him and among my generation tons of people supporting him tons of people hating on him saying this is inappropriate it just shocked me the way that we code clothing so much like we code it by gender he's wearing a dress he wants to wear a dress I mean fantastic but but there's something important about it yeah I think that's that that as a psychologist, the, the traditional debate of nature versus nurture. You know, it was Erickson that said we're fundamentally born with masculine characteristics or feminine characteristics. But others have said, you know what, like in the absence of programming, and the programming is really, really subtle, that, you know, those characteristics are interchangeable. And I think the thing that's challenging modern masculinity more than anything is the idea that... Um, women in society and non-binary people in society are saying you don't get to hold the proprietary value for certain characteristics that we all have. If I think back to that that uh, bullshit description of masculinity I gave you at the start, it's a con. Yeah. Okay. And when you talk about patriarchy, I agree with you completely because it sets up an ideal and most of the time, the people that want that ideal or that lean into the strong man, dominant, you know, uh, chew steel, spit out nails kind of masculinity, either A, don't have it, B, might resemble that. But you're right. What they're actually trying to do is to exclude other virtues and values. So if I looked at a modern take on masculinity... Stephen Hawking's, who had profound disability, but still was married, had, you know, we've seen his story, had a great intimacy and a great life, did more for us. Under no circumstances would the hard men of this world look at someone like that and say he has value, whereas he's probably done more for us than most of the standover men in history. I think there's a crisis of modern masculinity because a certain orange Floridian who's, as of today, been punted from a position of power actually said that one of the greatest democracies of our time had a crisis of masculinity and he used the term men have become pussies okay and that's the that's the the take of the big hard man right they want to feminize men that aren't six foot seven and aren't you know buff and all the rest of it whereas as i've come to understand as a psychologist the more um effective men in my life are the guys that are smarter the guys that avoid conflict. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Matt, but when I was in school, Catholic boys' school for high school, 
it was totally permissible to have a punch-up at school until about year 10 when they got a little bit more aware of liability. But teachers would allow you to settle things with your fists. And the first day of year seven, they said, you're not boys anymore, you're men. So essentially, they used capital punishment. They used dominance over people. They absolutely targeted the weak and the different. Um, And one of the things that they tended to do is if you weren't, because, you know, masculinity is not all about size. I wasn't a small kid, but I wasn't athletic and I went to a really athletic high school. I wasn't, I was smart enough not to be set upon, but I knew smart, valuable people who had gone on to do great stuff in life that experienced a lot of trauma because they were little or shit at sport or liked music and art. So they were really punished because they must have been women or gay or something. And the other aspect of this toxic masculinity that people like the Orange Floridian uh, promote is the fact that it is actually, if you're not that one thing, then you can't be a man. You must be, uh, it must be a slight on your gender, your sexual preference. And none of that is true. You know, true, uh, what I would say is effective masculinity is more about your values and your integrity than anything to do with physical appearance. What do you think about that? Like, yeah. how do you, how does that sit with you? Patriarchy, this is really fascinating stuff, Fred, because the, what I've always sort of come across is patriarchy is a um, self-perpetuating cycle of power. Yeah. It, it benefits those in power, and so yep. they maintain patriarchy. And that's at the detriment of men who like music, of men who like to paint. And like, you know, how stupid is that? But I think there's this sense of like, if you, if you aren't one of us, then you're one of them. And therefore, it's that it's that creation of an in-group and an out-group Absolutely. that provides power for people. Um, and I think I think we're we're starting to recognise this, and I do think that me and my peers, in, as, as a younger generation, are starting to move away from that a little bit. And I talked about Harry Styles before as this, you know, he's an artistic symbol and he's embracing the feminine aesthetic and all this sort of stuff. And people look up to him, and that really sets a trend and a tone. Um, another interesting thing I think, Fred, that might be influencing my generation. I don't know what the sort of influence it had on you, but I went to a co-ed school, and so yeah. I was really lucky to have a lot of a lot of women and girls around me and as an impressionable young teenager the the opinions of the women around me of the girls around me meant so much to me i wanted to look good for them you know i don't care how i dress myself bro that's just me personally doesn't bother me but if if you know if a lady friend in my life says i like a new haircut i'm going to be getting that haircut for the next six months because that's what they want and um and so listening to listening to women in my life, listening to them being like, oh, this looks good, I like this, I don't like that or whatever, and, and respecting their opinions and being like, they actually want me to be kind and compassionate and listen to them and be friendly. I think that's something that I had to learn as a, as a man growing up nowadays is that the James Bonds of the world, the violent men, the, these alpha men, it, 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 we're souls that that's what other people around us want. That's what, that's what gets you the girls. But I'm yep. actually not convinced it is. I'm, I, I think that's this sort of narrative that patriarchy is pushing. I'm convinced instead that women, like everyone in the world, like people with integrity and like nice people. But I think that's a messaging that we're still struggling with even today. It's like there actually is more value in your life to being a more well-rounded person 
than there is to being this patriarchal man. And I think that tension is something we're still really feeling at the moment that I think can be a real challenge. Yeah, I think something that just came out of what you said that disturbs me is that you think this podcast is going to help you get more women. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, and trust me when I tell you, Matt, I can certainly guide you that way. I, my first rule of that is rejection never killed anybody. But realistically, what I heard you say that was really important to me is this idea of the voice of women in the formulation of men. And I think that if we think back to where these true Western archetypes come from, that pioneer, the jackaroo, the cowboy, uh, prior to that, the, you know, the centurion, the soldier, you name it, they came out of times in human history where there was conflict and deprivation. There's a reason that women don't go to war because society needs women uh, more than they need men. One man can be used as a, as a fertility bank for whoever wants to fall pregnant. And if women ever find out they don't really need us, we're sunk. <laughs> um, but the reality is women were smart enough, I think, to uh, use their skills historically in a way that was about sustainability. Um, and it's that Darwinian stuff. It, it is about the propagation of the species, so on and so forth. But ultimately, we lost a lot of men. And it led us to believe that men need to teach other men to be men, whereas if I think about it now, it's a contentious view, but it was a way of that that patriarchy preparing the next generation of men to be cannon fodder in something that may or may not have mattered to anybody but the people that wanted to retain power. So in that regard, I think you're 100% right. As we've become more evolved, um, and I'll talk about why I've got a bit of a fear about evolution in a sec, but as we've become more evolved, we've said that those things that we think are traditionally masculine, like being assertive, being intelligent, being a leader, speaking up, those things aren't masculine traits. They're literally yeah. about integrity yeah. and self-esteem. And I think the reason why you were more open to hearing from women is the fact that those women have the capacity to generally speak up they weren't seen as the fairer sex or the exactly, weaker sex exactly. um, i tell a funny story growing up my father didn't mind me wrestling with my brothers but he always forbade us to engage physically with our sister for two reasons one he never believed a man should put a hand on a woman because that was a sign of weakness in a man and two he was protecting us from her because when she wrestled and every now and then i'd break the rules and pick a fight with her she was brutal yeah Right, I would. I, she once stuck so many of her fingernails into my thigh. I thought she hit an artery, and I was going to die on the floor. There was that much blood. She stood over me and laughed as I cried. I've never forgotten this. You know, <laughs> talk about a power move, right? But I'm surrounded by really intelligent leaders, and I found that more and more, um, I gravitate towards the skills and abilities of people. My first boss was a big kind of cowboy of a guy. And as I look back, I think he had his strengths, but his flaws and weaknesses were really profound. And I didn't learn as much because he was perpetuating the archetype. Now, here's my concern, though, about, about modern masculinity, Matt, and I, I want to be candid about it. I look at someone like you and, and where I live, it's a beach town. You see all these kids, 15, 16, 17, they're taller than the tallest person I went to school with. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, they're yeah. all equipped with six packs. Now, yeah. Matt, 
you know, I don't feel inadequate very often. And once upon a time, a male archetype was barrel-chested and hairy. The first time my wife saw me naked was in a bathroom. She thought it was a screening of gorillas in the mist. (laughs) She was happy. But kids today, they got no body hair. They got the fine muscles. They're seven foot two. They all look like they could be James Bond. You know, these are beautiful people. And they're far more rounded than my generation was. But here's my fear. Not everyone in our society is like that. And there are people that still break the rules. There are people that transgress social boundaries. And it's not because they're not elevated. It's because they've either experienced trauma or been parented badly. And it gives those people a shortcut. My great fear for you is that you're on a train one day heading with a group of friends into the city when all this lockdown stuff is finished for a good night out and some thug from somewhere decides that you're an easy target or a mark or he wants what you've got and he uses violence, he uses that really crushing stupidity to cut a corner that impacts on your life. And it's not about fighting or violence because I still think there's nothing smart about that. But I don't think we're all evolving at the same rate. And I note from one of the studies that we read, and we will put a list of references on the podcast, everybody, that if you look at what traditionally is considered to be uh, masculine in, say, Eastern cultures, it's less about physical iconography and more about values Mm -hmm. and honour and how you treat people and what you do for people um, but do you think that, that this current sort of um, sticking point for what masculinity looks like for you guys poses a threat when people don't play by those rules? Yeah, yeah. Look, that's really interesting. So I think that um, there's a couple of things that came out of that for me. The first one of which was this idea of uh, almost a modern changing of beauty standards threat. And that wasn't really the point you were making, I don't think, but it's something I did think about. It's that the men do suffer from body image concerns. It's a problem for men as well. And I think that when you look at the advertisements of the ripped, hairless, naked male body, you see that all over the place now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the expectation now. And I do see that as a problem. Um, we have this real understanding that um, representation is important, but I don't think I've heard much about that for men's bodies. But I think that you, you talk about the, uh, the uh, studying-looking younger generation around the beach. You know, they've, they've all grown up well-fed. They've all grown up plenty of nutrition, a good understanding. Of good stuff. air, good water. You yeah, know, we're yeah, like exactly. exactly. But I think that um, maybe there's a bit more to it. Maybe there's the, that is performative from them to, to try and live up to a standard society set to, to look like that. It's not just the way they are, but rather they've had to perform to achieve that to fit into this power structure of society so they look what they feel like they're expected to look like. Perhaps. It's funny you talk about that power structure and the aesthetic because, you know, if you go back and when you go back and look at Steve McQueen and John Wayne and those guys, they were a power symbol. Um, And not just them. uh, There are plenty. There are plenty from the 90s, as I I said. Um, You know, the 90s was the action era. You know, the Mm. the Terminator, um, Bruce Willis, with and without hair, Die Hard, best Christmas movie ever. The critical piece though is this idea of look at the people that people aspire to now we we can we might be conning ourselves and saying masculinity has changed mm. when some of the biggest icons out there chris hemsworth could bench press a car yeah yeah dwayne the rock johnson could bench press chris hemsworth bench pressing a car mm-hmm. but if you said to me what is a what is an example you know in pop culture of modern masculinity it is people to me like a jack black who, oh, yeah. 
you know, he's he's out there and he's charismatic. He's as ugly as a hatful, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and if I was to stay on the theme of Jackson, colours Jack White, the guy that's behind the white stripes, who mm. wears makeup, but he's this creative musical genius that mm. can literally engage thousands. I think that in in the spirit of cultures that are doing well, the arts take more prevalence than mm. than just you know sustainable living through farms. So you get more music, you get more interesting stuff. What's amazing for me is if I look in pop culture about the hard guys now, the rappers, the the you know the gangsters, whatever they wear more jewelry and makeup than Lady Gaga. You know, <laughs> I, I just you know I, I got to say, what do you reckon it looks like? 20 years from now. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there are definitely... Um, I, I think this is this tension that really inspired me to bring this question to you, Fred, a crisis of modern masculinity does it exist. It's this sense of, well, there are some powerful men moving away from traditional patriarchal masculinity, and there are other men that are very much holding on to it, and we get this tension between the alpha male and the, the, the modern man, if you like, whatever that might mean. I think that it's a really fundamental question, I think, because... We need these narratives as people growing up to guide us, I think, to guide our lives, to provide role models. And that's what you sort of, you're able to talk to. Oh, I saw these people, my, my grandfather, my father, they, they provided me this structure. And so narrative is important. But if we're saying that, well, our traditional narratives aren't sufficient anymore because, yep. um, you know, they're, they're damaging, they're violent, and we try to move forward, we need to provide role models and examples of what we want young men to look like. We need, they need to be achievable and they need to be useful. They need to be good. And so you've, you've sort of said Jack Black. I love that. Um, like Terry Crews is someone that's often spoken about as being yep. like a, um, a really a really kind-hearted, compassionate, but ripped, strong man. But there's something there about like he's only, perhaps, perhaps he's only allowed to be, under a patriarchal society, he's only allowed to be kind-hearted and compassionate because he's ripped, because yep. he's strong. I think that's a really interesting question. Um it's my hope that some artists listen to this podcast because I think the Hegemonic Man would be a great name for a punk rock band. Um, I'm sure it exists already, Fred. No probably doubt. does. Uh, we might use it as our outtake <laughs> music if we can find some of their work. Less than seven seconds so we don't have to pay copyright. I I, I agree with you, Matt, but I, I being stuck in as a, a true Gen Xer, mm, the fear yep. I have is that we won't set aside the hegemonic man because there's still enough of them to cause fear yeah, that yeah. says, um, you know, what if the X, Y, Z, the Calathumpians yeah. invade, you know? Yeah. Whereas if we do ever get into conflict, again, you talked about nuclear weapons, talk about a phallic symbol. Who's got <laughs> the biggest... Talk about toxic masculinity. Like, if you use it, you kill everything. Um, there's something very Freudian in the idea of a nuclear missile. Just watch how they come out of the silos in the movies and all the rest of it. But ultimately, there are still enough people that are old enough yeah. to fear what has happened in the yeah. past. And I do believe that hegemonic man, that powerful dictator, think about Vladimir Putin. The reality with all of that is those people will use the fear of older generations to say, if you soften us or weaken us or you depart from what we believe it needs to look like, you hold yourself up. And in that regard, I think that um, to, to move and to shift away from them to where we might end up in 20 years, it's men like me and you that need to interact with our sons and daughters and non-binary individuals to say, look at your integrity, look at your values, 
don't let them scare you into complying. I have no fear at all that I could put on a dress and make up and still be me. I'd be a dog, like I'm telling you. But there's still with the population of the world, there'd be people that are men, women or non-binary still find me attractive in a dress. You know, there's a pot for every lid. But the reality is, Matt, (laughs) but the reality is Harry Styles or those people that want to bend gender norms are really saying, hey, as a society, let's take people as we find them. And in their own way, that's a really powerful message. It's my hope that a man that I know, it's my hope that you never get into a physical conflict. Um, I really genuinely believe that's a good thing. If there is a broad scale conflict, it's going to be because of the hard men and it's going to be because of stuff. But I genuinely believe that the reason we haven't had a major global conflict since World War Two is because there's enough smart people now that go, you know what, you can't get us all on board for that stupidity. Yeah, yeah. With that said, in another part of the world, 70 plus million North Americans voted for a person that Ported to be the archetype of masculinity. Yeah, yeah. Anything but, we understand that. So it's we're not all the way there yet. But I will say this: I look at the generation that that you represent with a great deal of hope because smart gets as many rewards as fast. You know, clever and artistic and creative is getting as many rewards as big and strong. And to me, I love that because it means that there is just more room for people to be who they are. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, Fred, we have taken a, a bite out of like a, a far too large of a meal with this podcast in some ways. There are so many things I want to say to I that. Know. I um, know. You know, like we're, we're talking about all the all the great things that we're saying that the new modern man can be. They can be smart. They can be creative, all that sort of stuff. But is there a place in our society for people who aren't that and there is there has to be because we're a modern developed society that has to include people and when you leave people behind that's when you get discontent so there has to be a place for the people that can't tick the boxes we're saying as well we just can't get into that my god that's an interesting conversation we always have next week my friend yeah exactly Um, I I suspect there's a real um, a real key point to what you were saying there uh, that that is your fear that as we move away from violence in our society then those who are still violent um become more of a threat to us is that the question you sort of asking me before i think statistically it's smaller but by magnitude it's more dangerous Mm -hmm. because they are people that transgress rules and if the rule is be civilized keep your hands to yourself and solve your problems with your words then it opens up an opportunity for someone to punch you in the head yeah yeah i like this idea of socializing people as they grow up this new generation you know younger kids and and sons and daughters to be more considerate but that can only go so far there will be people that slip through the cracks and i think in that regard society has less tolerance for violence than it did when i was a boy yeah and far less tolerance for violence than it would have when my dad was a boy i think the reality is as we raise the lowest common denominator because we are a lucky country and we are a lucky western civilization that those that transgress those cultural boundaries because when you talk like this people call you a socialist or they call you (laughs) i'm none of these things right um you know it's not about politics it's about humanity and at the end of the day if it's about let's solve you know what did really rudy giuliani say before the capital right trial by combat and then he went and hit yeah you know like don't fall for the 
don't fall for the bullshit. It's only ever other people telling you that's how you should solve a problem. You know, flawed individuals. So if the rest of us says, hey, there is a contract here. And and one of the things I, I want to say is historically, every time people try to challenge gender norms, they're seen as deviant. They're seen as subversive. But really, it comes back to the hegemonic man that says, if you don't follow my rules, how can I manipulate you by breaking them? So don't believe the hype, you know? That's where we're at for this week. Now, if you guys have really enjoyed listening to our podcast, we'd encourage you to like and subscribe. We'll be here again next week talking about issues that matter to the generations. Matt will be guiding me through all the pitfalls and potholes of the modern individual while I try to show him that there's a bit of value in the great escape or wagon train or, you know, gone with the wind. On that note, I want to say thank you, Matt B, for being my co-host. Thank you for joining me on If I Didn't Know Better, Fred. Much appreciated. It's a unique time right now for health professionals seeking employment. The community's never needed our services more, but it's never been harder to determine the right place to work. The Better Health Generation has a unique opportunity for all allied health professionals, with brands that look after aged care, disability, paediatrics, employment services, disability employment services, assessment services, direct to consumer through medical practices, direct through corporates, through workers' compensation and preventative allied health, and working with uh, sports professionals to deliver mental health advocacy, the Better Health Generation offers an opportunity to all aspiring health professionals to start in an environment that allows them a long-term career with huge diversity and the opportunity for career growth and development. So call the HR department of the Better Health Generation now on 1300 817 791. Because of demand, we are growing. This is a, an opportunity for the best and brightest to join an elite team. So again, that number is 1300 817 791 and tell them Fred sent you. I believe strongly enough in the organisation because I already work here. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copyrighted material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.